This particular place that I worked, I would describe as ageist. Things were centered around age and assumptions were made about you uh, based on your age. So that applied to me, that applied to people who were over 40, who were under 40. Um, people made assumptions and had biases. Welcome to 50 Not Dead. I'm your host, Cameron Hubian. In this podcast, we make the invisible dramatically visible by exploring the biases, freedoms, challenges, and the power that come from being female and 50. Watch out, world. We're not dead yet. Welcome to 50 Not Dead. Thank you so much for joining us today. I love doing this podcast. It gives me a chance to speak to so many interesting women. And today, it is my pleasure to introduce Nicole Smith. Harvard Business Review Editorial Audience Director. When I first saw Nicole, I reached out to her because I'd read one of her articles titled Being a Manager in an Ageist Workplace. She has a lot to say. She is super interesting, and I'm so happy to have her here. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you for the invite. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled and flattered that you gave me your time today. And I'd love to hear just a little bit about you, if you can share with our audience who you are. Well, why don't we start with my title? Because most people aren't aware of what an editorial audience director is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first question. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. At Harvard Business Review, but just to make it very simple. So editorial meaning that I'm dealing with content, right? We, we're a publishing company. We publish magazines. We, we publish books. I work on the digital website for the magazine side. But essentially, the audience part is you. I'm looking to draw you uh, to our product. So can, will you engage with us on social media? Will, can I find something or create something that interests you on our website, on our podcast, um, that, that you will search in Google and our stuff appears as an answer for your question? So when, I, when we refer to editorial audience, we're really talking about you. Can we, get, can we create content or put out content or publish content um, that draws you to our to our product, our editorial products, and hopefully satisfies your need, whatever you're looking for, your, whatever question you have. Hopefully, we can answer it through our content. I love that, and that's certainly how I found you to to begin with was because you were writing about things that were interesting and relevant to me. And when you say when you're looking for what is interesting to us as listeners and as readers and subscribers. Are you researching what's going on, what people are talking about? How do you, how do you figure that out? That's a great question. know what we want to hear? Well, you, but through your behavior, right? So we look at data patterns, but data really is just um, numbers or some type of information or anything that, any, any information that I can look at and determine what people typically do, right? I can, I can see your behavior. And if your behavior is, is that you respond to things about interviews, right? Or looking for jobs or your behavior. I can see in, if people who Google often Google this thing or have this question, if we're in the position to answer that question, why not create a piece of content? Um, so the answer is yes, we can We can research and see, look at data and, and see patterns and make guesses and observations. But also that's the editorial part. What do we think just from a human perspective? What do people want? What are they feeling? What's the zeitgeist uh, these days? And how can we how can we help with that? What a cool job. 
<laughs> oh, thanks. Well, that's <laughs> it is really cool. So I would love to talk about a little bit about the piece that piqued my interest in you. And I know that you told me that it was part of a series called Harnessing the Power of Age Diversity, which I love because it takes a real positive twist and positive perspective, twist, perspective is a better word, on ageism. And I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about that story in particular, and then just kind of your, your feeling about what you're seeing and how what you found to be a good way to manage through that because it is really useful. I love what you have to say. Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate that. So I initially, I joined a call, a conversation when the editor um, at HBR who was putting together this series said, I want to do that. I had this idea. I want to look at age in the workplace. I want to see if we can, if we can do maybe four or five pieces that discusses that from different angles, different questions, And when she was talking, initially I was brought in to look at editorial audience. How do I get people to, how do we get this people on digital platforms to look at our stuff? But as she continued to describe her vision, I felt like I actually have a personal story that I want to share. Hopefully that people will not only read, but will find something relatable in or helpful in. And I decided to, I pitched the idea of that. I would like to share my personal story of dealing with ageism in the workplace. And I I think that's just gone throughout my entire career. I think that's fair to say, Uh, but this particular, this particular place that I worked, (laughs) I would describe as ageist, quite frankly, Uh things were centered around age and assumptions were made about you uh, based on your age. So that applied to me, that applied to people who were over 40, who were under 40, Um, people made assumptions and had biases. And I, quite frankly, I've been in work environments where someone had made an ageist comment or maybe there were were a a group of people who thought a certain way, but I had never seen it embedded in the culture like this before. Um, And so now that I'm out of that, you you know, when, you know, it just hindsight is 2020. So I think it just a lot of Mm -hmm. things started occurring to me, even after I was out of that situation, I figured this is the perfect platform, HBR. We're doing this series on harnessing the power of age diversity. Not only share my story of the part that was difficult about it, but maybe the, some of the solutions and describe exactly what was happening, but describe how, how we overcame it as a group and then how that impacted the rest of the culture in the place that I was working. I think that is so cool that you put forth your own personal experience in in the story and that you raised your hand and said, I have a story to tell of being in an embedded ageist culture. It's not not just with age. It's great for if you're trying to uh, trying to get people to communicate on a regular basis. If you've got remote people or people who are geographically dispersed, put them together on a product on a project. Um, and then that collaboration will happen and you can help manage that collaboration. So I I I knew that working together on a one end goal together as a united group, they would have they would have to start talking to each other. And I created me and the other managers created situations where they would learn from one another. That is really I, I love that, that you've boiled that down into having a project where both groups are responsible because that makes it actionable, right? I mean, that makes what you're trying to teach and trying to model uh, really actionable because we can talk about ageism all day long or diversity, right? But if we don't 
if we don't facilitate the opportunity for that to actually happen with an expected outcome, right? Where, where it look, this is your job, but like, you know, that's, we're going to have to work through differences, but if they're all literally working on a project where they have a common target at the end, I would guess, and I could be wrong, uh, that that in itself helps break down some of those initial barriers. So like, okay, I love how you said that in terms of this group has great experience and they they can write some really important stuff that should be seen and that this group is really good at getting eyeballs on the stuff. And there's, there's such mutual um, benefit from working together. I think that that is... Um, I mean, honestly, I think that that is such a highlight of a actionable thing that we can do, that managers can do, in, is to try it, you know, and to take small steps forward. And when you did that, I mean, I remember you telling me that it was it was a success and that you saw cultural change within the office. Like, not only was it were they working together, but like you could see them literally physically moving around the office in a different way. Yes, that had not happened, but that was not a normal thing when I came there. It was it was not normal to see someone 50 plus literally walk over into the space of a group of people who were in their 20s and maybe or maybe early 30s uh -huh. uh, at the at the latest um, at the oldest. So even just that I believe in artifacts, right? So there are things in the office or the workplace that gives messages that that will resonate with people, even if it's not in the spoken word. So the pictures that the art that you hang, the pictures that you hang, you know, that are they does it include all types of people um, or, or the, the people that you have put into leadership? But you don't have to say it. If everyone looks the same, you said who you believe should be a leader. Right. And that was no different with this situation. If if people didn't see someone walk over into another person's work area space and talk and collaborate and just even just simple engagement every day. The artifact, that artifact, that message is, is that we, we don't work together. We, sh we don't connect. So to just see my own team, my own employees walk over, people would mention that. I've never seen that person on this side of the room. Like, oh my God, that's so cool. And, uh, and so it was, like I said before, it was important to me to, to have the buy-in of respected workers who have been there a long time. And we knew their work was good. I think that is such an, an inspiring way of tackling this issue. I also really like what you just said about artifacts and, you know, down to the art on the walls, but culturally, right? It's like if if who is leading all looks the same, that says a really powerful message, right? I think... You know, we people can read about that. They can talk about that. But they, that is such an easy thing to see. Right. And when when employees are looking for jobs right now. Right. I mean, you can look you, if it's a public company anyway, you can look and see, OK, what does the board look like? What is the what is the senior team look like mm -hmm. and get a pretty good idea of, oh, well, and unless they are very, very honestly and forthrightly saying we're trying to change the way we look mm -hmm. this is why we're talking to you because we value your experience perspective and difference what I may have but that I think is such a great point and even to the point of like okay if you have people seated in a way 
that it's like, okay, the younger people are all in one area and the older people are all in another, even if that means that the older people are the men, the senior leadership, then it makes it already like there's not going to be this common just happenstance conversation that can happen that can build and build bridges and build relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is, I personally think that is a really good takeaway for people to think about, you know, it's like, oh, it can be something relatively, you know, some of it relatively simple to start to change. Because I think when we say, okay, we're going to tackle diversity or tackle ageism, that feels so big. But having small steps that you can take that make a big impact. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I also, I too work in an ageist place. <laughs> How to, <laughs> what would be the first thing that you would suggest? My first thing would be take a project that matters to you and choose a team that has age diversity and have them work. That would, that's your first step. If, if you work in an ageist workplace, that would be my recommendation is to pick a project that matters to you. And just make mm. make a mixed age team and and help them be successful. Awesome. That is so cool. And you don't have to answer this question. <laughs> I'm gonna ask it anyway, but you can defer. How would you describe the Harvard Business Review mm-hmm. in terms of how as an organization and their their take on ageism and diversity? I think that number one, the series that they did kind of it speaks to what they want to be, right? So even if we aren't there yet, it, I think the 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 editorial team tackling the the idea of what ageism looks like in the workplace today, and here's some personal stories, and here's some solutions, and here here are the different aspects of it. I think that that speaks to Harvard Business Review's commitment, um, not just externally of telling you how to think about it or think, giving you nuggets to consider, but there's all that you can you can only start self-reflecting when you do those type of projects when you take that on and you it's it's only natural to start looking around and looking in the mirror and saying are we living up to what we're asking other people to think about so there's no place that's perfect um no. and i think oftentimes sometimes people say and do things that they feel is natural and comfortable but but to other people they're not aware that it might make someone else feel um, not respected or not comfortable or or it, it might just underscore age in a way that maybe is even undermining. So those little those microaggressions exist everywhere. I don't think that Harvard mm-hmm. Business Review is, is void of that. I will say that I commend my colleagues for being willing to have the conversation, a very public one, um, and, cre- and create thought and conversation and opportunity to think around age diversity. And so that that series, <laughs> harnessing the, the the power of age diversity, I mean, it's out there online for you to look at forever and all time now. So yeah. I, it's up to us at HBR to live up to some of the things that we put forth for people to think about. Yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense of when you're when you put something out there, you would hope that the company itself stands behind it of what they're asking the rest of the world and their audience to think about. And do you as in the management team, is there active discussion around what the management and what the leadership looks like, reflects, and how are there specific goals around around that? The the leadership at Harvard Business Review is very committed to diversity. 
in all aspects. And they don't make any qualms about that. And I think that I I think that me having a strong desire and passion to be able to use my voice to underscore we should consider how marginalized groups feel. Are we including them in our product? Are we including them in our workforce? I've never gotten pushback on a personal level of making me feel uncomfortable to say who I feel should be seen that perhaps maybe traditionally hasn't been seen at Harvard. So I think that that's just been something that has been on their minds and that they've put action around. They have, they have hired people, they have created internal strategies. Um, they have asked us our opinion to use our voice. And I, I definitely feel like for the time that I've been there, which is not a whole lot of time, which is a little over a year, I feel that they've made the effort. Um, and so the leadership is someone I'm always talking to. Oh, good. <laughs> yes. And they've opened up that door and I've taken full advantage of the fact <laughs> um, that they're willing to hear my, hear my voice. And I feel seen quite frankly, at, at HBR and it's been a, it's just been a healthy environment. And I think that even when maybe they don't get it right, if I'm, if I'm willing or others are willing to say, we didn't think you get it right. They're, they're the first ones to be like, okay, thank you for telling us that we didn't get it right. And then we'll ask, how can we, how, how in your view would look, would look, um, and right. And, in a way that would leave you feeling respected. So, and I don't say that lightly because if you ask me some other places that I've worked, that has not been the case. Um, so I, I do think that Harvard Business Review attempts to live up to, to the thought leadership that they, um, that they publish. What a fantastic example. Sometimes there's a, feel, a feeling of like, oh my God, how will we ever, ever change this, <laughs> right? And what I love about talking with you, Nicole, honestly, is the very specific ideas you have about changing and that you have found a place that you can proudly and confidently say, hey, they're they're actually committed to this. They, they are open to listen. They want to make a more equitable place. And that if they don't get it right, that they'll, they admit that because that in itself, right, is not always the case with leadership. And even to have uh, an employee be able to say, I feel seen. Oh, my God. I mean, what a that, I mean, that's that in itself is a huge gift. Right. That goes really far is when you feel seen, you know, at whatever age. I think that is what, you know, is kind of the basis of our, you know, the you know, in terms of like hierarchy of needs. Right. I mean, once we have the basics covered being seen is one of the most important ones that make us feel that help our confidence that make us feel like we're a valued individual that we that we stand for something and people care about that and care about us as humans so uh, you know kudos to you and to HBR for participating in that in such a healthy way I I'm it makes me it makes me feel good it's always nice to have situations that are good <laughs> What camera? I know how it feels not to be seen, right? And I've actually written about it at HBR, mm. um, and I wrote about my first job, and I wrote about um, the idea of I. This the story was basically I will always remember my first ally, right? And that and that story really chronicles a person, me, who just didn't feel seen. I I was either too young to understand, or you know, I was in a I was either too uh, too much of uh, uh, 
uh, either a black person or a woman to, to come up with ideas that are mainstream, right? Because if it comes from my blackness, if it comes from my womanness, I'm not sure that it just, it just, it, it will resonate with everyone. And, um, and that, so it, it just matters to me a lot because I, I started my career not feeling seen or heard and, or not having who I was innately, but just shaped by my experience as a, as a young person, as a black person, as a woman being told that those things, my perspective doesn't really, um, won't resonate in the product. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm very quick to say when I do feel seen, because I, I think I've spent such a, such a large part of my career, not feeling heard or seen, and then having to try to overcome and usurp that. I don't, I don't think that Harvard Business Review has been the type of place where I started. I, it was has not been the type of place where I started at not feeling feeling seen or heard, and then had to try to correct that. This has been a place that has been very open to um, underscoring the, that you do have a voice. We do want to hear it, um, and we'll engage with you in a way that leaves you feeling respected. And I, that is uh, that is a difficult thing to find at times. We need those role model places. I'm so happy that you found it. And I would like to invite our listeners to follow Nicole, Nicole Smith. She is, she's on LinkedIn. You can find her there. You can certainly find her articles in the Harvard Business Review. She writes some fantastic pieces. And I have no doubt that she will continue to be seen and help us move so many things forward. And I will include her contact details in the show notes uh, Nicole, thank you so much for your time. You know, if if you wanted people to take away one thing, is there a thought there that we didn't cover that you're like, oh, I really want them to know this? Um, well, there's a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll just say, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with um, age, but I will say for somebody who is 50 or over, since, since this podcast title focuses on that, I just want you to know that you have so much to offer and that I, I, I want you to not fall into the biases of other people. So that's that's their bias, perhaps how they view the world that does not define who you are and what your contribution can look like. And so I would just remember that at, at every age you have value. Thank you for offering that up. And I would... I'd love to stay in contact with you and see how and to watch as an as an audience member how your career develops and what you continue to find as interesting and important out there. I love what you just parted with in terms of having value at every age. It's a really heartfelt sentiment. I can tell that, you know, and um, it's a, it is a great one. So thank you so much for your time and for being with me today, for agreeing to do this. I really, really honored to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm honored. I was honored to be asked. Uh, well, thank you so much. And for our audience, like I said, if you would like to follow Nicole and see her work, you can find her on LinkedIn. Uh, for me, the importance of this podcast is to have a mix of voices, a place where women can feel seen and heard and for ageism to be put out in the open so that we can hopefully inspire people, give them ideas of how to tackle it and, and share our stories, especially the good ones too, of like, okay, it really can be good. Um, and so if you have one of
of those stories, please feel free to reach out. Thank you so much. If you'd like to share your story or your ideas on how to move this discussion forward, I would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact me at Cameron at CameronHuban.com or visit my website, www.CameronHuban.com.